Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. When my life started unraveling with my divorce, I didn't want to do anything. But Erica walks in like sex in heels. I was, I was you know, she great. She's, she's got a new moment she, going. She is down for whatever. I don't know what she's down for. But... Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Usually a Roni and Beverly Hills edition of the episode, but no Roni this week. So all we have was Beverly Hills. So I figured maybe I would make this episode a little bit of a mishmash because some major things have happened and also the Kardashians did the second part of the reunion. I'm not going to act like that's a major thing, but, um, let me just talk about the Kardashians just very briefly part two of their reunion. Um, some lowlights, if you will, uh, Kendall talking about her modeling career and how at first she says, you know, my mom did all the work to make my dream come true. But then she goes on this whole diatribe about how hard she worked, how she even had to work a little bit harder because of the show, how she took her last name off of her headshots and her um, cards and stuff because she just wanted to be so separate from the family. And Chris starts talking about how Kendall wouldn't allow any of the family to be at the front row of any of her shows because she really wanted to be taken seriously as a model. And to that I say, girl, it's the delusion for me. Like, why? What would be wrong with her? Just I think people would have appreciated and liked Kendall a lot more if she just told the truth. And okay, sure. You would go to go sees all over New York and Paris and LA, but think about the privilege you have to be able to do that. Think about the day and age that we live in, in which to be a model and to be a celebrity requires having the total package, which is being notable to begin with and having your own cachet And all of that, like you came up in the era, you are the poster child, the literal poster child for nepotism when it comes to being a supermodel. You ushered in that whole wave of 
rich girls who were connected and moneyed and behind the scenes, you know, their parents have their own Wikipedias and you want to act like being Kardashian adjacent and having the show wasn't a complete asset to you. Stop playing in my face, ma'am. Stop it. Um, It's a joke. It's a farce. And I just like... I don't appreciate it. What What is the matter? Like, she could have just kept it cute and said, said, like, yeah, of course being on the show was a huge asset to me. And I'm incredibly grateful for it. Because I'm able to do something that I'm really passionate about and I love. And, you know, maybe um, I started off on third base, but I really tried to work hard and make the industry know that I took this thing seriously and I took my career seriously that would have been the perfect answer not this like girl you took your last name off of your card like ma'am you're a model they see your face do you think that anybody in the industry would have been like who is that oh but it doesn't say Jenner that can't possibly be Kendall Jenner it just says Kendall girl get out of here The second major plot point or topic of discussion was, you know, Courtney and Scott, will they, won't they? Does he approve of Travis? Blah, blah, blah. Um, There were admissions that if not for the show or Scott's substance abuse issues, that Courtney would have no problem being back together with him. Um, they, we did get the answer that Courtney had been kind of tipping around by saying, you know, I, we've had conversations behind the scenes about what he needs to do and he hasn't done that. And he knows that he hasn't done that. Now we get the official answer that it is the fact that he cannot remain sober, um, which is very sad. And like, it genuinely breaks my heart that there is just that that would be the thing that would keep a family from being together. It just, it's very dark and sad to me. Um, And then the worst, the worst, in which Andy asks Scott, you know, you have a reputation or history of dating women much younger than you. And he decides to make a joke out of it and say, it's not that I seek out younger women. It's that they think that I look younger than I am. Ugh. That's not funny. <laughs> that there's no defense for that. I, that's gross, and I don't like it. And I ugh, that really, really turned me off. Anyway, he says that he approves of uh, Travis in you know the if she's happy, I'm happy sort of way. Not really like he's fucking with Travis that much. Like he still clearly feels some type of way about them being together and being all lovey dovey and. That was obvious. Um, The next thing would be the Jordan and Tristan of it all. Of course, by now we all know that uh, Chloe and Tristan have broken up for the, I don't know, fourth or 17th or 30th time. And I have, I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, we'll see. And, you know, they'll probably be back together in a month. I think this might be the final one. Call me naive. I'm that is a completely fair assessment, but I think this is the official breakup. So, um, you know, Andy asked the question of, do you find it a little hypocritical that Jordan is still ousted from the family while Tristan is back in the fold? And, um, you know, just the typical bullshit answers that you expect from Chloe. Chloe seems to think that we have all forgotten that she has a history, even within her relationship with Tristan, of getting with men who are already in relationships. He had a whole baby mama that he was with when y'all started dating. So why we're playing respectability politics with Jordan and is beyond me. But now Chloe's trying to do this, like, I'm totally cool about it all, even though Jordan's never formally apologized to my face, so she's never even tried to. And, um, but, you know, I've had many conversations with Kylie, and I've told Kylie that if she wants to continue her friendship with Jordan, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with her being around. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, you know, 
the clown makeup will always be on her face with regards to Tristan and we know that to be true so what more can we say y'all know how I feel about it you know how you feel about it this is some bullshit that she keeps playing like she keeps lying you know (laughs) if somebody keeps lying then what are you gonna do just you know let it go just let it go we all know the truth All y'all need to tell me is if what's coming out about their breakup is the fact that they had actually broken up a few weeks ago and that it had come because of uh, Chloe feeling some type of way about that girl going on the No Jumper podcast saying that they had been dating for several months and he was adamant about the fact that he was single and not with Chloe, Um, even though I think at the time he was living with her and she found out later and dumped him. Um... Something must have led her to believe that there was truth to it. Tristan tried to sue that girl. So if he was really, if he really did nothing, the suing was a performance. The lawsuit was a performance. Clearly, Chloe found out something that made her feel like this is something that is insurmountable and I can't get past. So tell us that. And if you're not going to tell us that, then like, just shut up because like, I, you know, not that it's something that she should get away with, but it's like, she just wants to be dumb about it. So just like, let her look stupid, you know, let her look stupid. Okay. I think that was really it. So let's move on to this week's episode of Beverly Hills. Um, drama, you know, we start off with, we left off rather with yet another to be continued from last week. And we start off with Erica back in the entryway of Sutton's house and, raises her arms up in triumph clearly nobody knows how to navigate this they don't know what to say it it's almost like she got back from some sort of like harrowing elective plastic surgery situation and like maybe there was a mishap that happened and she came back and all the girls were like you've done it erica you're back and there's an elephant in the room a tom-shaped elephant in the room and Lisa's like chomping at the bit just to say anything. Let's burst this bubble. Let's break the ice. Let's do anything. Kyle's the same way. And Garcelle, like they're always do, are all like, oh, hi, kiss, kiss. Um, how are you? What a great day it's been, huh? Cheers to you, girl. You. Single because you're divorced. So, Can we talk about that now? Because it's killing me. So the ladies all sit down for lunch and they're gushing over Sutton's tablescape. And I'm just feeling like it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But this was something that these women are used to having gone to Villa Rosa. Like you've seen this on LVP's backyard a million times before. Um, But they just couldn't gush over it because it was LVP. And I found that very funny. This is so beautiful. A flower arrangement. Can you believe it? A runner right down the middle of the table. Wow. Art. <laughs> um, So they sit down for the first course, which was what looked to be a fistful of very expensive lettuce that had been dipped in olive oil. Delicious. Um, Kathy is teetering around trying to figure out which place card has her name on it because she can't see shit. Kyle starts bringing up Mercury Retrograde and she's like, oh, you know, um, I think the reason why me and Dorit fought was because of, you know, the retrograde. And then she starts talking about how she looks at Dorit like a sister and sometimes sisters will snap at each other. And Kathy from across the table is like, do I do that to you? And Kyle's like, well, sure. Like, in the course of our whole life? Yeah, you have. And Kathy's like, have I? (laughs) And I just felt like things were about to get real dark and I would have liked to see it. I, we know that Kathy rules that whole family with an iron fist and a martini glass full of water. And I want to see her. I'm ready to see her snap. I'm ready to see her Yes. Do it, Kathy. I'm ready. Sutton ruins my fun. (laughs) 
And she's like, okay, well, one fat ad's time here. And so Dorit starts talking about being like, you know, she starts to talk and Garcelle is like, well, let's be real here. Like, you're about to talk and you can, you're welcome to do that. But can we like, you know, have a timer on your conversations? Because you can be a little, a little bit long-winded, Dorit. Um, then Kyle starts with this impression of Kathy and how she talks in shorthand. And I have to admit that I find Kyle's, all of her her impressions to be refreshing. But it's the sort of thing where you don't want to compliment somebody too much because then they know that it's funny and then they keep doing it. Like Luann does that a lot. It's like, she'll say something really off the cuff that everybody picks up on. And then she's like, Oh, I'm going to do it again. And then we have to suffer through, you know, seven years of be cool. Don't be all uncool. Right. So anyway, Kyle does this impression of Kathy being like, you know, I'm going to tell you one thing I was talking to, you know, and I was like, you know what I mean? And then I thought to myself, you know what I'm saying? And in a talking head, Kathy says, you know, it's better to allude to the situation because you never know who's listening. And in that moment, I just felt a supreme weight of loss at the idea that we never are going to experience a dinner scene on Beverly Hills in which Kathy is sat down next to Denise's husband, Aaron, and he's talking to her about all her, all his conspiracy theories and the people who are following them around a meeting of the minds that would have been, you know what I mean? Oh God, I deserve that. I deserve if they could give us like some sort of uh, charity wants to come up with like a dinner with Kathy and Aaron, the big bucks that you guys would raise. That is a genius idea. I just know that Kathy really probably got caught up in a lot of right-wing conspiracy theories. Like, Kathy really got swept up in the whole Wayfair thing. Like, she didn't really understand it, but she was very concerned, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So anyway, then we see Lisa. And like I said, she's trying every angle to get Erica to talk about what's going on. So she's like... How's your how's Tiago, your dog? How is he? Is he adjusting to the house? Is he adjusting? You know, I love him. He's such a good boy. <laughs> First of all, that's like me, but instead of like trying to get tea on somebody, I'm actually like, no, how's your dog? Is he emotionally okay? How is he? does he need me to come over and like, you know, I would genuinely be concerned. Lisa's just trying to get um, information. So then somebody asks, how was the day before for you guys? Was it good the day before? How was this week for everybody? Did everybody have a great week? Maybe two days ago? How was that? Maybe three? Erica, how was three days ago for you? Good? Okay. Just wondering. Um, Sutton brings up how she had bought a car the day before and Erica's like, well, you can pick me up anytime. And then she's like, yeah, I actually got a new car and a new place. And this is what cracked me up, you guys. How? First of all, like, there are a lot of conversations to be had about Erica referring to her new house as a dollhouse and how focused um, Erica seemed to be, or how much the house rather seemed to be wrapped up in Erica's mourning of her relationship and the impending divorce and all that fair fair um but when somebody asked erica what car she got and she said a range rover i could just feel the wave of like all the women felt sorry for her (laughs) because you know that that was their like oh, I've got money, money now car or like the first car that they gave to their daughters, you know, like Amelia Gray probably got a Range Rover on her 16th birthday or maybe even her 15th. And you could just tell when she said Range Rover, they were like, oh, things are really that bad for you, aren't they, Erica? (laughs) (laughs) They really acted like she just announced that she had gotten like a 1989 hatchback Toyota Tercel. Like... (laughs) really really had a hard time keeping it together gals um so then erica starts talking like okay let's talk about the elephant in the room and 
my life has changed drastically this week. I let go of my Lamborghini. I let go of my 16,000 square foot home. I let go of my marriage. I let go of everything. And in a talking head, Erica begins her performance, shall we say, um, her bid to be a potential nominee for a daytime Emmy. I try and I pride myself on trying to be fair and trying to see the angles and maybe seeing, I I try not to get caught up in waves, you know, like I, I try not to see what everybody's saying and then, and catch their vibe. I tried to think independently. So I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, I need to really get my eyes on this and analyze, do I feel like Erica is being sincere? Is she making a compelling argument? Do I feel compassion for her? Or is this total bullshit? And it's bullshit. (laughs) It's bullshit. Why am I even waiting? It's bullshit. It's such bullshit. Watching her do this. And here's the thing is that she didn't help herself, y'all. She has created such a persona within herself and her character or, you know, just who she is on on Housewives of being such a, like, walls up. Even when she's compassion, there's still something that doesn't quite connect. Even when she does try to talk about her growing up and how her mom was tough and how, you know, she was a single mom. There's always been a disconnect. And I'm saying this as an Erica Jane apologist and somebody who I think people feel like I'm private and I don't feel like I'm being private. I think people think that I'm being private. Um, I understood her on the level of like, sometimes people just like, I don't know. There, there's just an air that you give about that maybe people just don't find it closest to you, per se. Um, but I think she has leaned into that. And it's shooting her. It, it's to her detriment now because it makes what she's saying look so bad. And, I mean, it could not be worse timing of having the housewife and the hustler air last week. And now this week, Erica is doing her finest. I am a long suffering wife who was in this marriage. It's like loveless marriage. And, you know, she's really trying to set a case for her being like, this got to be, this got to the point of no return. I had to leave And a lot of things are not adding up for people. (laughs) I mean, given the timing of all of these lawsuits and the finances and how she was named in a lawsuit around the same time. And in regards to like people getting their money back and, and finances and how, you know, all the things about him are coming out. And it just is a bad look. And I feel like we all collectively kind of forgot that Erica had like totally outed Tom as being a cheater and, and he had this whole mistress and all of this. I feel like everybody's forgotten about that. And that sucks for her. (laughs) That really sucks for her. I mean, I'm sure it's going to come up on the show, but I just feel like we all forgot about that. And we've all just moved on to like, obviously the more egregious crimes of like, you know, um, stealing from people who are um, dead or, you know, the victims of, of, and survivors of, you know, burns and plane crashes. Uh, Yeah. I mean, cheating is not really comparable, shall we say, but uh, yeah, I feel like we all forgot about that. But anyway, bullshit. Erica was bullshit. So she starts setting up, you know, this long suffering idea and how it got so bad that they couldn't mend fences. And Erica says that she left because Tom pushed her further and further out The conversations that they used to had had been reduced down to a sentence or two. And she just would walk around the house knowing that the marriage was headed down a really shitty pass. And she had to make a choice to do what was right for her because she could not live that way anymore. And (sighs) I mean, yeah, it just like everything that she has led us to believe about this marriage 
it's just hard to, I don't know, like, oh, I don't know. I mean, she, she did set it up as like, they had such a complicated or a very specific relationship in which he was busy working. She was doing her, you know, they spent a lot of time apart, but when they came together, there was a lot of respect. She had a lot of respect for Tom and that he was so supportive of her and her child and her lifestyle and all the dreams that she wanted to, you know, do and, but it was like not your typical romantic partnership. So at the table, she says you guys were kept in the dark on purpose because it would have potentially put you guys in a bad position. If I were to give you information that, you know, I just didn't want you guys to have anything on your plates that you would have had to deal with later. And she says, you know, it also doesn't serve me to talk about what's happening because I'm in a legal situation against a very powerful attorney and I'm divorcing somebody who's really good in that area. And back to the confessional, Erica says that once she made the decision, she took a good 30 days to close out certain areas of her life. And then we see a flashback back to the beginning of the season where Mikey comes over and her assistant's there and they're consolidating her racks and racks of designer clothing. And even a scene, I'm not sure if we saw this before, but where Sutton had come over and maybe this was at her, uh, that studio that she had downtown, but Sutton came over and Erica mentions that she's selling a bunch of clothes and Sutton's like, why would you do that? Like, why wouldn't you keep these clothes? So then Erica tells the women that she tried and tried and tried to talk it out with Tom, but she was met with so much resistance and that because of the power dynamic of him being 33 years older and her being a single mom who made good, that there was just no space for her to say, Tom, you're hurting my feelings. And she says, I can't do this by myself. I can't convince myself or I can't convince somebody else of anything. So I knew I had to take this step of getting a divorce on my own. And then she says what we all suspected, which is that she specifically filed on election day because she thought it would get be you know, that it would be buried in the historic moment that was happening, but how everybody found out anyway. And I just think it's so funny. Like, obviously this was big news to us as Bravo fans, <laughs> But then they play or they show the headlines of the websites and the blogs that had talked about it. And it wasn't like, you know, LA times page, not even page six, not, I don't even think daily mail. It was like reality blurb, <laughs> you know? like, like no shade, but like you're acting like this was on, well, was it on the scroll of CNN? I think it may have been. That would have been the clip that you showed that on election day, you were on the ticker at the bottom. I think it was. If my, that's what you should have shown, not reality blurb, girl. <laughs> like it rocked the nation. <laughs> Kathy happens to compliment Erica on keeping a brave face in Lake, Lake Tahoe and says that Erica behaved like a lady and Erica's like, you know, timing's everything and she needs to get a handle on what's coming for her and it will be coming for her. Erica says that she didn't see her marriage ending this way and she was going to hold that man's hand until he died. But life happened. Okay. In a talking head, Lisa seems to be the only one who's willing to like, she seems to have an understanding of how tactical Erica is being and how she seems to understand what Erica might be up against. And this is fully supportive of the fact that Erica is handling it the way she is, like keeping her lips tight, telling us what we need to know. I know I see what you're doing, girl. I respect it. And I honor that. Erica makes a remark about how... She stole some furniture, but then she says it was really just like two chairs and a couch. And Kathy starts talking about how, you know, it's never good to be on the cover of a magazine, whether it's good or bad news. And she really sets it up as, I mean, you would think coming from Paris Hilton's mother, that maybe she was about to say something incredibly profound and wise and, you know, just like, just great about being in the public eye and 
then Kathy says, you know, you're never going to see something you're going to be happy with. And that's why a lot of the big, big people, you don't really. And then she just stares at everybody. <laughs> and Rena's like, well, this must be the shorthand that Kyle was talking about earlier, right? And Kathy never misses a beat. She says, well, God forbid I be long-winded, right? God bless her. God bless her. <laughs> um, then the ladies go outside for a dessert. You guys, didn't that cake and strawberries look so good? And it was just like a little sliver of cake, just like a little cute piece. And I was just thinking this whole time, like, I know those bitches aren't going to eat this cake. And I want it. And they had, it was like just big enough to write the women's name on it. And I'm just like, ugh, can I just have my sliver? And Crystal, can I have half yours? And, and Kyle, can I have half yours? Because I know you're going to complain about how, you know, just like a crumb of the cake went up to your new nose job and how it's hurting you or whatever. And you got to sneeze it out. And just let me, I, I want cake, you guys. I'm about to start my period. I, I really want cake. You guys, the other day, or not the other day, yesterday, <laughs> I made um, Starbucks, y'all. Y'all, you guys, Starbucks, low-key, makes some of the best brownies that you can get like at a store like the best just like individual brownies are so like so cakey and they have so like if you just really want like an indulgent chocolate moment thank me later they're so good but anyway I found a dupe recipe and it was super easy and I was just very stressed out about Brittany I had heard the news and I'm like okay I have some chocolate chunks in my cabinet let's stress bake and so I made the dupe uh Starbucks brownies and they're so good you can dm me if you want the recipe but if not I mean listen you guys also I should preface that those Starbucks brownies they're like pricey they're like three bucks for one but it's worth it like if you just really need like an indulgent chocolate moment and you don't want to go to like a real dessert place that sells like six dollar cake like there's your there's your move if you're a chocolate person, do it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Anyway, let me get out of my spiral, my chocolate spiral here. So... Kyle takes Dorit outside to talk about this very stupid fight that they had on the PJ and, you know, the one that Kyle was, like, definitely 100% wrong about and yet she still wants an apology for it, apparently. So Kyle says to Dorit, you know, moving forward, she's going to be hyper aware about cutting Dorit off in the future. And Dorit's like, well, I will also be aware if I'm dominating the conversation. In a confessional, see, this is why I fuck with Dorit. Because in a confessional, she says... I'm glad Kyle's taking a deep breath and calmed down a little bit. Because <laughs> she sees right through this. Dorit's like, girl, I don't have time to apologize for you, to you, because you got upset about being an asshole to me. I'm not doing it. So have a piece of bread. Maybe you'll calm down a little. Thank you. And uh, I'm glad you've moved on because I'm not trying to talk to you about this, girl. This is stupid. But if she, you know, continues and say, given what's going on with Erica, like, this, this is not a big deal. Who cares? <laughs> so then Kyle's like, okay, well, I can't create drama with us. We're not going to fight about this. You're 
Clearly we're making peace, so who else is fighting? Oh, Crystal and Sutton? Have they settled that? And then there comes this confusing thing. Why Kyle feels like she needs to be part of this, I'm not sure. But basically, Crystal had a conversation with Dorit as well as Kyle. Kyle's been under the impression that this whole jacket gate that happened between Crystal and Sutton was just like a what we saw. I mean, okay, what we saw was an awkward run-in where Sutton very clearly knocked on the door, but maybe Crystal didn't hear her. And so she walks, Sutton walks in, sees that she's naked, is like, oh my gosh, sorry, here's your jacket, and then walks out. A very short exchange. Obviously to Crystal, it meant something different, and it was, in her experience very weird very off-putting I think Dorit was very correct in her assessment of it later but uh Crystal has this conversation with Dorit in which it is a very different and more dramatic conversation that Crystal had with uh Kyle so Kyle's thinking oh Sutton and Crystal are fine. I talked to Sutton about it. She said it was awkward. Okay. But I also talked to Crystal about it and she said it was awkward, but also she seemed like she was okay with it. Whereas Dorit's like, oh, well, I am under the impression that Crystal felt very violated by the whole situation. And I thought this was a very serious thing that was going on. And I think Sutton thinks that she and Crystal are fine, but clearly Crystal's not fucking with her right now. So now Kyle's making it her mission to tell Sutton, hey, Crystal's still mad at you. (laughs) So you guys can fight about it in front of all of us. Thank you. So while the other women are talking, Kathy notes that Erica didn't really seem too emotionally attached to leaving her house. And Erica's like, well... I was the third wife that lived in the house. It didn't really feel like my house, even though she had lived there, what, 20 plus years. And Sutton's like, asks Erica, do you think that Tom will move out of the house? Which I think is very ironic. Um, And Erica's like, no, definitely. He would never move out of this house and he shouldn't. It's his home. Okay, well, tell that to a Coldwell banker. I think they might feel differently, Erica. There was a throwaway scene. I don't like matchmaking scenes. They don't do it for me. And I feel badly about that. But what I will say, what I did take from the scene of Garcelle meeting up with the matchmaker is, God, isn't the world not fair? You know, we live in a world in which Garcelle has to sit down with a professional to try and find love in her life. And if that doesn't put things into perspective about how the world just is a random set of circumstances I don't know what does because that don't make sense to me next we see Mikey and Erica's assistant come to the new house her little doll house as she put it um, to help her decorate and put up pictures and poor Mikey (laughs) he's really gone from a choreographer to a general contractor like (laughs) From one A-list to the other, but now we've gone from, like, A-list red carpet to, like, the A- Angie's list. <laughs> from A-list to Angie's list. Um, so Erica gives us some more drama about how she's left, and she's almost setting this up as if she had to leave a kind of abusive, or at least a very shitty situation. Um, she says that the day she left, she actually took... And dropped off Tom from work and she went home, packed up her things and was out by the end of the day. And we can see comparisons. They're doing like B-roll of, you know, her old house compared to her, you know, side by side with her new house. Wow. You know, her new house is only 2000 square feet compared to the 16 that she's used to and how, you know, her old house had four bedrooms, nine bathrooms. And this one is a three bedroom, two bath and, <sighs> poor thing, poor, poor little rich girl. And she says, you know, uh, I hope I chose wisely because this is it. And then she tells this anecdote about how, um, she had gone to meet 
Tom for a dinner, I'm assuming, or some sort of event. He was there with five of his colleagues and she was running late. So when she got in, she said something about the traffic and one of the colleagues said to Erica, you know, if you were married to a better man, the traffic wouldn't be an issue. And Tom says straight point blank to this guy's face with not a hint of irony or joking. Well, if you think you can afford her, you can have her. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, that's not good. It's not good. Not good. I, you know, cyanide in the soup is what comes to mind. You know, you enjoying that tomato basil, Mr. Girardi? Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. You afford this bitch okay <laughs> damn that's like i mean just call her a whore you you might as well you know damn even though i find most of this perf- to be a performance i don't doubt the validity of that story it i mean what little i know of tom it wouldn't surprise me that a guy who was a top player in his field in such a competitive field if you're like a top lawyer in LA and you have been for decades and you've broken records that nobody's been able to break and blah 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 do I really expect a man like that to be humble no I'm sure he's like a big asshole I'm sure of it so it doesn't surprise me that he would say something like that at all Uh, and that's really really rough that's really rough Erica starts talking about how she didn't say anything at the time because Tom took care, took care of her and he took care of her when she had nothing. And now she feels like, you know, there was this underlying pressure to please the person who took care of her. And she always felt like she should just shut up and be grateful to an extent. And then she says, you know, to be able to keep this Lamborghini and to have the Lamborghini and to be able to wear this jacket is great, but at what cost? And then we see Erica back in the kitchen and she's with Mikey and she's talking about how the dog has been adjusting and she says that Tiago's really attached to her now and he peed on the couch earlier, but she's just going to let it go. You know, it's just a big adjustment to him. And I just started laughing because my sick mind is thinking about Nini going to visit Kenya at that like extended stay in the classic who child the ghetto. Now, like I said before, clearly Erica's like downgrading is like a dream situation for most people. Like she's still living in a million plus home, even if it's rented, it is still gorgeous. It is still 2000 square feet, which is nothing you know, is not small. It, it's not 16,000, but it's certainly not a small house. And I get that. And I recognize that, but I'm thinking of Tiago being like, <laughs> I am used to grounds. Thank you very much. I am used to tennis courts, tennis balls out the wazoo, as many as I want. Um, I could pee wherever. And like, what is this, honey? this is a white refrigerator my this is the size of my doghouse girl where am i no wonder he peed on the couch he he is not used to these accommodations honey (laughs) anyway another throwaway uh segment not that getting your man like everybody woman when you're of the age to get a mammogram absolutely go get one the reason why i found this a throwaway is because it was very sudden heavy and like I don't need to see Sutton being all pissy with Kyle because Kyle made her get her first mammogram. Ma'am, you are well past the age of getting that done. And I also didn't need to see these like x-rays of her titties. I don't know. That was deeply upsetting to me. Like, why did we have to have so many flashes back to her x-ray titty? Why was that? Anyway, um, they go through the mammogram. Everything's fine. Hooray. Hooray. And... That sounded sarcastic, but of course, I I mean that genuinely. Um, So they sit down and Kyle's like, congrats. I'm so glad your boobs are healthy, but I do need to stir the pot a bit and let you know 
that Crystal has been talking about what happened between you and her and Tahoe. But rather than being direct, she is like, well, I just want to know, like, how did things go between you and Crystal? And Sutton's like, oh, well, things are fine. Kyle's like, well, I'm asking you this because I heard the opposite. And Crystal told Dorit the story of you going into her room. And she said that she felt violated and was really upset with you. Sutton rolls her eyes and she says, well, I'm sorry if she felt violated by me knocking on her door. And bringing her coat to her. And so I do have to give Sutton a little bit of credit when I say that we do see a flashback to the conversation between Crystal and Sutton, in which Crystal says, I'm not going to talk about this anymore and I'm not going to tell the women. And yet she had that conversation with Dorit after she promised Sutton that she was not going to say this to anybody else anymore. So I can understand why Sutton would be annoyed that Crystal broke her promise and had continued talking about this. We do have to honor people when they say they feel violated, even if you know for a fact that your intentions were pure and that this was just an awkward situation, but you did not mean any harm. I understand, but we some just humble ourselves and just say, like, I'm sorry. Even if you know, just say you're sorry. We can all move on. Kyle, very ironically, you know, on the squeaky couch of a breast examination, she tells Sutton to nip it in the bud. So then we see uh, Lisa and Erica go out for drinks. And I guess maybe my memory is not serving me correctly. I'm not remembering this great friendship forged between Rinna and Erica. And it almost makes me wonder if Erica maybe confided a little bit more to Lisa and Lisa decided to keep it under wraps behind the scenes. So there seems to be a level of respect and understanding and like a, we see each other vibe that makes me feel like there's more to the story, but maybe my brain's fucked up and I'm just not remembering them having such a great relationship, but they go to have drinks and Erica says that Tom basically left her no room and no choice, but to leave the relationship. And in a confessional, Lisa says, I don't know a lot, but over the years, you all, we all clock each other's relationships and the dynamic. And then we get a flashback from 2015. And I remember this and I, can't remember that I forgot this, that all the couples were at dinner and Tom is telling some story and Lisa Vanderpump cuts in and he says, pardon me, Lisa, like, you know, a little bit rough, but like basically shut the fuck up. I was talking, you were interrupting me. And then he starts speaking again and Erica makes, I wouldn't say she cut in, but she sort of like... She was like her, his hype man at the time where he said something like, I, I don't remember what he said, but it wasn't like she was trying to take over the conversation. It was just like a, oh yeah, like I'm co-signing what you're saying. And then he turns to her and is really short and it's like, pardon me, Erica, like really snippy with her. And Lisa says, Tom was the one in charge for sure. And so then Erica tells Lisa that she even floated the idea around of having a trial separation with Tom, but she's like, he's old school. He doesn't do that. They, you know, when it's over, it's over. And when it's over, you're dead. She's really like a scared mob wife, right? <laughs> Maybe the housewife and the hustler was an an appropriate title. She really seems like she's terrified of him. Really? And that's not really setting up a good case for him um, having dementia, is it? Sorry, Tom. He's probably going to be pissed that you're, that you're out here on television acting like he's some diabolical, um, abusive dickhead when he's trying to act like he doesn't even know where he is right now. So <laughs> thanks a lot. He probably is going to come for you now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Erica says she didn't leave a note. She just left. She filed the next day. The last time she saw Tom was when she dropped him off at work, girl. And she was like, oof, she's setting the scene. This is all just like very cinematic, right? She's saying, you know, how Tom's really cold. And her assumption is that when she left, he was basically like, fuck you. You're, you're leaving me. You're out. And then she says, I'm expecting nothing but the worst, but I'm hoping for the best. And she says, he's got some challenges before him. And that really feels like telling on yourself because Erica has been leading us to believe or attempting to make us believe this whole time that she knew nothing about his financial troubles. Completely in the dark, right? Didn't know a thing. But now I feel like saying something like he's got some challenges before him, especially when you've been talking this whole time about how you feel like he's going to come for you or about how he's cold and heartless and how this is going to be a difficult thing for you because of how good he, his job is. And he's saying he's going to have some challenges. And what are you referring to? Because you're not referring to yourself. So that means to me, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> Literally, like, <laughs> the It's Always Sunny Charlie meme, trying to figure things out and piece things together. When you say something like, he's got some challenges before him, that leads to you knowing something that, like, he's about to get in some shit, and you know where this is, where this train is headed. That's, that's just my theory. Our next scene, Crystal invites the ladies over for a dumpling making session. And you guys, I think I'm a sucker for Crystal because I love that. First of all, she got those really cute aprons and little plates that say like cute as a dumpling and it had the, all the women's names on it. And I thought that was really cute. And then she's sitting there talking to her cousins because she says that dumpling making is a tradition in her family that she and her cousins would go to their grandma's house and they would make dumplings all the time. And I just love the moment where she's talking to one of her, her cousins about like the dumpling skin. <laughs> and then th she makes his face and her cousin realizes, girl, you forgot the dumpling skin, didn't you? <laughs> and then she's like running around the house, yelling at Rob. You have to go to the store right now and get this shit. Um, I just liked her. I found her endearing. I found her endearing. And... Uh, I have this conversation because I know that there are people out there that are annoyed by Crystal and don't like her and they think she's maybe stuck up would be an appropriate word. Here's what I'm thinking. <sighs> Crystal has that sort of unwavering confidence that feels unfair. And so when we're seeing most of our scenes of Crystal being paired with a, I think it's fair to say deeply insecure Sutton. Um, it feels like watching Tyson fight. Like, I don't know, like one of the kids from dance moms, like it doesn't seem fair. <laughs> you know what I mean, not Jojo, because we know she's got to reach, but you know, maybe Maddie, it's, it's like seeing Mike Tyson go up against Maddie Ziegler. It's, it's not fair. And so it, I think in that way it comes off as like harsh because it's like, 
y'all aren't on the same level, so it's unfair to watch Sutton and Crystal argue with each other because Crystal's always going to come off better. She's always going to win because even if Sutton is right, Crystal is unflappable. And Sutton tends to lean towards the more hysterical. <laughs> and um it's and dramatic. And I think that's what we're seeing is that like it's just hard to watch people who aren't in the same league go toe to toe with each other because she is not fighting fair, but that's not Sutton's problem. That's not Sutton's problem. Rather, that's not Crystal's problem, you know. Everybody saw that Kyle called Sutton while she was getting ready and her last name was spelled incorrectly, right? <laughs> like, I know Strack is not, like, a common name, but S-T-R-A-K-K-E? Okay, interesting. I thought you guys were great friends. You didn't see her name on the on the rental information? The contract that y'all signed up for her paid... Tw- she gives you $20,000 a month and you don't know how what her last name is? I have questions. Um, so all the ladies sit down. They all get to Crystal's house. They're all sitting down outside. And we had a conversation that personally, like, I know in my heart was for me. You know? I, th- it had the making, it had everything that I could have ever wanted. And I loved it. It's like all my favorite subjects in one. And I was really into it. So Erica sits down and, She tells everybody that she's feeling really great. And then she says that she had a conversation with Kyle, you know, at some point in the past. And Kyle was regaling Erica with tales of um, she and Mauricio using a THC sex oil. And how Erica was like, oh, thank you. I will take some. Give me some. Thank you. So Kyle gifted her with the oil and... Erica decided to take this opportunity of a night of making dumplings with the girls to uh, put it all over her clit and her vagina. And she's feeling great right now. And I lived. I died and I lived again. I loved it. Um, I loved the, you know, I like to learn and I'm always trying to be informed. I think it's the path to being a really enlightened and open-minded person always be learning guys always be learning and what lesson did i learn on june 23rd of 2021 um it's apparently that you can say clit on tv with no censorship whatsoever so thank you to erica to letting us know that she put um, some thc based oil on her clit and her um, pussy lips and she was feeling great and also that she wasn't wearing underwear and a very short skirt so thank you thank you to that you know what also was very refreshing was the knowledge that we're not having to deal with this Kyle, oh, I don't smoke weed bullshit that she tried to pull in Amsterdam with Brandy. Like, we have gone from, like, I have never smoked weed in my life, Brandy Glanville, I don't know what you're talking about, to, um, you know, my husband puts some oil on his dick and, and we get it in. And I'm going to give you some, Erica. That's, that's a change that we need. And the change that I like to see. Um, The change that Obama asked for. You know? Something to reflect on. Um, Then we see Crystal taking Sutton aside. And she gets ahead of the story and says... Sutton, Crystal rather, gets ahead of the story by saying... Um, it's been brought to my attention that some people are talking about what happened in Lake Tahoe and I'm sure it's annoying you because it's annoying me. (laughs) This was brilliant. I mean, Sutton didn't buy it, but I was highly entertained at Crystal's attempt to get out of this. This really cracked me up. Um, so Sutton says, you know, I just think it's really dangerous when people talk behind each other's back. And Crystal's like, I agree, because I promised we wouldn't talk about this. And Sutton's like, yeah, and you failed on that promise. And so Crystal, <laughs> again, I have to get off this boat, even though I just said I adore her. I I can't support you, girl, because she tries to get off on a very thin technicality. 
and say like, oh, I wasn't the one. I did promise you, Sutton, that I wasn't going to talk about this. And I didn't talk about this. I didn't offer the information. I didn't tell these people. They asked me. And so I only told them because they asked, not because I wanted to tell them. (laughs) It's like, well, and then we see a flashback to her literally like everybody being like, Crystal, what happened? Crystal, what happened? Crystal, what happened? Her being like, well, here's what happened. I was on floor, terrified, scared, awful, weird, creepy, manic. Don't like it. Let me tell you, didn't like it either. She had no problem telling everybody Sutton was right. Like, if you really said you weren't going to talk about it, then don't talk about it. it. It's not like I didn't talk about it. If you talked about it, you talked about it. It doesn't matter who offered the information her, or who asked. You still said it, even though you said you wouldn't. So then Sutton and Crystal decide to, again, dead it, squash it. No, I'll talk about it. Thank you, girl. Thank you, sister. We see it. We're on the same page, right? Okay, let's go back to the ladies. As soon as they put one cheek down on the outdoor furniture, Sutton gets defensive and is like, you know, I just think it's really defamatory, everybody, that um, Crystal said that I violated her. Like, did... Okay. See, so now I have to be off your point. I have to be off your side because you wanted to get mad at Crystal and now you're being a complete hypocrite by promising not to talk about it and then telling everybody seconds after you said again that you weren't going to talk about the subject. Dorit does try to stick up for Crystal a little bit and says, you know, Crystal was on the floor from what I heard. She was trying to hide her body. Something goes, well, I don't know why you're trying to stick your paws into this one. Do I want to see a Dorit versus Sutton? I think I do. Because I think Sutton is maybe not as intimidated by Dorit. And that would be interesting because I think um, Dorit, when she wants to read a bitch down, I think she can do it. I see that power within her. And I want to see it come out. Because Dorit does bring up a great point and says to Sutton, um... I have only heard Crystal's side of the story. Even if you're saying it really wasn't that big of a deal, I can understand how compounded with all the other weird shit you did prior to that, that it may have just been a bigger situation. And Crystal's like, okay, it's over. Like, let's shut it all down for real. Or she tries to, but somebody keeps bringing up, you know, Sutton keeps bringing up how Crystal said that she was manic and how insulting it was considering she had said something about her father's suicide, which I'm assuming must have been wrapped in a specific diagnosis because otherwise I'm not sure why Crystal calling Sutton manic would have had a bridge to her father if he maybe had not also been like manic depressive. I don't know. But anyway, um, Sutton just says, you know, I just had a hard two days in Lake Tahoe. I'm sorry. And Crystal's like, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. (laughs) And Sutton squints her eyes and says, right. Okay. Okay. So in a confessional, Sutton's like, Crystal is a mean high school girl and I see through it. Crystal says again, I want to shut it down. And Sutton very sarcastically says, well, I believe you. (laughs) and then the ladies go into the kitchen they make dumplings the dumplings looked good as fuck they had been like fried to perfection like that golden brown oh they look so good garcella and and kyle can't stop eating them they look delicious can't blame them and kyle makes some joke about how the dumpling looked like lisa's lips which is like you know like it's funny but it's not funny um And then I feel like we end the episode with the girls kind of having this bonding moment about how close they are and how they trust each other. And you can talk shit about 
they can talk shit about each other, but I better not hear anybody else saying anything about you guys. And I don't know. Erica was just being very cryptic about not knowing what the future holds for her. And we'll see. I guess next week we get a our first introduction into Amelia dating Scott Disick. Hooray. It's great love affair of America. And... I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm interested in seeing, like, is Erica capable of keeping up this narrative of, like, the long-suffering wife? Is she going to be like, I was totally transparent this episode and now I'm shutting it down? I'm just very interested in seeing where we go and really what what do we have left from the season? Because Erica was, like, the great crescendo What do we have left? I can't remember any other storylines being spoken about. So we'll see. All right.